Well, turn in your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. And in just a very few moments, I'll begin reading in verse number 10 of that chapter and be reading through verse number 17. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. Pastor, thank you so very much again for the opportunity to be a part of your missions conference this year. Cassie and I have been encouraged, we've been enlightened, and we've been thrilled about what the Lord is is doing here. And I'll tell you, we're trusting the Lord with your pastor and his wife and your church family that the greatest days of ministry for Central Baptist Church would still be yet to come. Amen. We're trusting to that end. We're believing. We'll pray with you uh, to that end. I'll say more about this in the service tonight when we have more time, but words cannot express how thankful we are for all this church Uh, has done for us and our family. And I know I speak for all of the Macedonia missionaries here this week. You have gone the extra mile to welcome us and to make us feel welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Have you found your place in Philippians chapter number 4? In just a few moments, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 10 of this chapter. Uh, Throughout the course of each service today, I felt impressed to the Lord to ask you a question and use that question as the title of my message this entire day. I won't be able to preach all of the message this morning, so I'm going to divide it in half. And I'm going to ask you this question and use that question again as the title of my message. What is a missions-minded church. Now, some people prefer the term missions-hearted. All right, let's use that term. What is a missions-hearted church? Now, of course, when we think of great missions-minded, missions-hearted churches of the Bible, immediately our hearts and minds are turned to the Macedonian churches that I preached about this Friday evening uh, out of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. One of those churches was the church that Paul is writing to here in the letter before us this morning. The church of Philippi was one of those churches, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that gave in spite of great affliction for the sake of others. They gave while living in the midst of extreme poverty so that others could hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In spite of persecution, they were committed to the cause of Christ and to the work of God. These, ladies and gentlemen, are just a few reasons out of many that the church of Philippi could be considered to be one of those missions-minded churches that we read about here in the Bible. And therefore, I must say that this local New Testament church sets a great example for the Central Baptist Church of Ocala, Florida. Hear me. I trust you'll hear me. I believe with all of my heart, if Central Baptist Church is to continue to experience the blessings of God to the fullest extent in the days to come, should the Lord's day is coming, then Central Baptist Church must strive to follow the very clear example set forth for us in the Bible when it comes to our attitude for world evangelism. Now, with that in mind, we just stand, if you're able, as we read the Word of God together. This morning, I want to preach on the profile of a missions-minded church. 
we see the profile in the verses that I'm preparing to read, verses 10 through 17. Now come back tonight. Tonight in the service, I want to preach on the promise to a missions-minded church. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. There's a lot of preaching to be done in verses 18 and 19. But let me just assure you, don't miss the service tonight. Tonight, I'll be preaching on the promise to a missions-minded church. But in verses 10 through 17, the verses that I'm preparing to read, here we see the profile of such a church. And when I use the word profile, I'm speaking of a set of characteristics that set this local New Testament church apart from all other churches of Paul's day. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. The apostle Paul writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I'm preaching this morning on the thought, the profile of a missions-minded church. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, thank you for your inspired, inerrant, infallible word. I pray that each of us would determine in our heart of hearts to not only hear it, but heed it that we may be more like thee. Lord, I'm nothing without you. I pray you'd use me to be a blessing and a help this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. One writer has well said, Although not the longest of the Pauline epistles, Paul's letter to the Philippian believers has its own peculiar charm and important place among the New Testament canon. Another Bible commentator has insightfully stated, written with Ephesians, Colossians, as well as Philemon as one of the prison epistles, this great book of the New Testament breathes the rare perfume of Christian joy and peace in the context of suffering. I believe with all of my heart this morning that here within the four short chapters that go go to make up the book of Philippians, Paul, as he is led of the Holy Ghost of God to do so, has combined both the theological with the practical in order to impress upon each of our hearts the need to rejoice in the Lord in spite of less than favorable circumstances. And therefore, the epistle before us has often been called the epistle of Christian joy. Now, before we zero in on verses 10 through 17 of this, the final chapter of the letter, let's consider the entire letter as a whole by way of introduction. 
First of all, when you begin to dig into Philippians chapter number one, here you can read and study of Paul's triumphant experiences. In spite of problems that had attempted to deter him, in spite of a prison that had been appointed to detain him, Paul was determined to press on for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's triumphant experiences. Philippians chapter number 1. In Philippians chapter 2, you read and study of Paul's tremendous examples. How that in verses 25 through 30, he used Epaphroditus as an example of in sickness. How that in verses 19 through 24, he used Timothy as an example in service. And how that within the first 18 verses of Philippians chapter 2, he used the Lord Jesus himself as an example in sacrifice. Philippians chapter 2, Paul tremendous examples. But then in the final two chapters of the epistle, we read and study of Paul's typical exhortations. There are 21 verses that go to make up Philippians chapter 3. And within those 21 verses, Paul exhorts his friends at Philippi to know the power of proper theology. Then in chapter 4, within the verse first nine verses of the chapter, Paul exhorts the Philippian church to know the power of positive thinking. But then in the final portion of the chapter, uh, the portion of the chapter where our text lies this morning, here Paul can be seen exhorting the Philippians to know the power of perpetual thanksgiving. In fact, here, ladies and gentlemen, in the final verses of the letter, we gather the immediate occasion of Paul's writing this epistle to begin with. Paul is writing the letter before us in order to thank the church at Philippi for ministering unto his needs while he had been in prison for preaching the gospel. And in doing so, while writing the letter to thank the church for providing for his needs, while thanking the church for taking part in his mission's ministry, Paul begins to reveal some very, very valuable truths about this particular New Testament church that are worthy of our consideration this morning. For you see, while considering those truths, we're going to be reminded yet again that the church that Paul is writing to here in his letter letter to the Philippian believers was a great missions-minded church. And may I say to Central Baptist Church of Ocala, Florida, this Lord's Day morning, that ought to be your heart's desire. You're going to be known for something. It ought to be your heart's desire to be known as a missions-minded, a missions-hearted church. And I say that this Lord's Day because only as the church fulfills her missionary obligation does the church justify her existence. I want you to listen to what I'm getting ready to say. The mission of the church should be missions. That's God's business. And any church that isn't in the business of carrying out God's business has no business being in business to begin with. Now I felt a little preachy on that point, so I think I'll back up and say it again. World evangelism 
reaching the world with the gospel, soul winning, bus ministry, door knocking, beating the bushes for Jesus so that others could hear the gospel. That is God's business. And any church that isn't in the business of carrying out God's business has no business being in business to begin with. Can I illustrate it like this? Several years ago when I was still a pastor, I had a Friday night off. I wasn't preaching anywhere. I was so excited about it. I went to my wife. I said, Cassie, I'm going to take you out on a Friday night date this Friday night. Now look, we're going all out on this Friday night. I'm going to take you somewhere that you won't have to order off of the dollar menu. You're not going to have to unwrap your food this Friday night. Oh no, we're going real uh, plates, real forks, real spoons. You pick out the place that you'd like to go. My wife loves Italian food. And in Conyers, Georgia, there's a little place there called Milano's. It is an Italian restaurant. And so Cassie and I went to Milano's. We had a wonderful meal together. And after we finished that wonderful meal, I said, Now, honey, I've already made plans for dessert. You know, ladies are impressed when we make plans like that. And uh, that'd be a good place for you ladies to nudge your husband right there. And I said, uh, Cassie, now I've already made plans. I've got things worked out. Uh, I've got a special dessert planned. Anytime you go out on a date on a Friday night, you got not you, you not only got to have a great meal you got to have a great dessert right so they just opened up a Dunkin Donuts down the road and and so hey listen I spent so much on the meal I had to save some somewhere that'd be a good place for you husbands to nudge your wives amen so I said, honey, I'm going to take you down here. A very special dessert, and I'll never forget it. I went through the drive through at Dunkin' Donuts, and I ordered two regular Dunkin' Donuts. And I was at the drive through And the lady, of course, come across the speaker after I placed my order, and she said this. She said, sir, I am sorry, but we are all out of donuts. Now, can I give you a word of advice? If you are in the donut business and you ain't got no donuts, man, shut the doors, cut the lights off, and go home. Because any donut business that don't have any donuts has no business being in the donut business. Can somebody say a hearty amen right there? I knew I should have went to Krispy Kreme anyhow. Amen. But you and I should be just as perplexed when a church that calls themselves a church, but yet they're not in the business of reaching others with the gospel. I want you to know that any church that isn't in the business of carrying out God's business has no business being in business to begin with. And therefore it would behoove both you and I this morning to consider the profile of a missions-minded church. Can I ask you this question? And we're going to dig into the Bible for the next 10 minutes. What was it about this church that set it apart from all other churches of Paul's day? 
What is the profile of a missions-minded church? Number one, a missions-minded church cares for others. First of all, a missions-minded church cares for servants of God trying to reach sinners for God. Can I show it to you? Verse 10. Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last, watch your Bible, your care of me hath flourished again. So a missions-minded church cares about servants of God trying to reach sinners for God. A missions-minded church cares about the missionary. And I want to stop right here long enough to say thank you. I, I told your pastor earlier this morning during men's prayer time, this year I celebrate 30 years in the ministry. I have never been treated better than what I have been treated here at Central Baptist Church of Ocala, Florida. And from the bottom of my heart, and I know I speak for the Gilballs and the Bowdens and the Gazaways, from the bottom of all of our hearts, thank you for caring about missionaries. Have you ever taken the time to consider the context of Philippians 4.13? Oh, you're just like me. You've memorized the verse and so have I. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But have you ever taken the time to consider the context? What was it that enabled Paul to say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me? I'll tell you what it was. There was a little handful of believers in the Macedonian colony of Philippi that gave systematically, that gave faithfully, that gave regularly, that encouraged Paul, that enabled Paul, that enlightened Paul. And as a result of the church of Philippi's care for the man of God, it caused him to have a Philippians 4.13 experience. When I leave here tomorrow and when I go to the next meeting, and believe me, the next few weeks are very, very busy, I'm going to go feeling like I could charge hell with a water pistol. Because of your care for me, I want to say I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So a missions-minded church cares for servants of God trying to reach sinners for God. A missions-minded church cares about sinners that stand in need of a Savior. Oh, they loved Paul, yes. They had a very personal relationship with the Apostle Paul. Paul loved them and they loved Paul. But one of the reasons why they loved Paul is because he gave them an avenue to reach sinners that needed the Savior. Oh, a missions-minded church never condones sin. Jesus was against sin, and you and I should be against sin as well. But we can stand hard against sin while never ceasing to love sinners. 
Jesus hates the drink, but he loves the drunkard. Jesus hates the drugs, but he loves the druggy. The missions-minded church follows the example of the Lord Jesus himself, and they care for sinners. Can I say this, and I'm moving. The world doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And what better way to show the world that we care than by sending them the gospel. And so a missions-minded church, number one, cares for others. Secondly, a missions-minded church is committed to the work of God. Can I show it to you from the text? Notice what Paul said beginning with verse 14. Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Now, I've always found it interesting while studying Paul's letter to the Philippian believers. At this point, when you study your Bible, you'll discover that Paul had already established several local churches. But only this church, only the church of Philippi had such a burden for his mission's church planning ministry that the Bible goes to great lengths to teach us that they sent once and again unto Paul's necessity. Why did they do that? I'll tell you why they did that. They were committed. First of all, they were committed in their communication. Verse 14 declares the church communicated with Paul's affliction. That word in the text literally means uh, that they identified with Paul. They come alongside him to assure him, Paul, you're not in this battle alone. They were committed in their communication. They were committed in their consistency because Paul specifically declares in the text that this local New Testament missions-minded church not only sent a one-time offering, they had sent once and again unto Paul's necessity. They were committed... In their consistency. And can I just say this before I give you my last point? I think it would be good for me to say this right here. There are many reasons why you ought to not only continue what you are giving to world evangelism, but to do more. But here's one of the greatest reasons that I know. 140 missionaries around the world are counting on you. They're counting on you. Now you'll have within your power, within the next 30 days, the opportunity to either be a blessing or a discouragement to them. You say, well, preacher, what do you mean by that? If the faith promise doesn't come in to sustain the missionaries you already support, the church will have no choice but to lower the amount that you give those missionaries or to drop missionaries. And so can I ask you before I give you my last point, if every member of Central Baptist Church followed your example, would Central Baptist Church put more missionaries on the field or would they take more missionaries off? 
Every single one of you ought to be willing to make it really, really personal this morning and ask yourself the question, if every member of Central Baptist Church was like me, then what kind of church would Central Baptist Church be when it came to world evangelism? Be committed. Your missionaries in Brazil are counting on you. They're depending on you. Your missionaries in Japan, they are depending upon you. They're counting on you. Give. Go yourself. But whatever you do, be committed. A missions-minded church is committed to the work of God. And finally, a missions-minded church is credited with fruit that abounds to its account. Can I show it to you from the text? Verses 16 and 17. For even in Thessalonica, you sent one sit again unto my necessity. Watch your Bible now. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now, the word fruit is often used in the Bible as elsewhere to denote results or that which is produced from the sowing of seed. Thus, we speak of punishment as the fruit of sin, poverty as the fruit of idleness, and happiness as the fruit of a virtuous life. The language is taken from the fact that a man reaps or a man gathers the fruit or the results of the seed which he initially sows. But Paul makes it abundantly clear in the text that he being the initial sower of the seed of the gospel would not be the only one that would take part in the harvest of the seed that was sown. I asked Brother Fury if he would be so kind as to get me a few of your most recent missions letters. He gave me three such letters. Here's one from the Palmini family to the Philippines. Dear pastor and praying friends, when Kim and I came to the Philippines almost 16 years ago, it was with love, faith, and excitement. We went to language school in Metro Manila for 14 months, a city of almost 20 million people. We were able to study the language while going soul winning and teaching Sunday school in a local church. Then, in May of 2004, we went to La Trinidad Baguette, which is about an eight-hour drive from Manila. We started door-to-door soul winning and home Bible studies for six months in three different areas of our cities. In February of 2005, Highland Baptist Church had over 150 people attend our grand opening service with dozens and dozens, are you listening? Dozens and dozens, can you say amen right there? Dozens and dozens of people calling on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Now, those of you that give... I'm getting Jesus measles on my arm preaching. I love to get Jesus measles on my arm when I preach. Those of us here at Central Baptist Church that give regularly, faithfully, over and above our regular tithes and offerings so that others could hear the gospel. Dozens 
and dozens of souls that heard the gospel and were saved, that's fruit that abounds to your account. Dozens and dozens. Every time I read of a missionary that we support leading someone to Christ, you know what I think of? I know this is carnal, but I'm just going to be honest. ka You know what that is? Man, that is fruit that you'll meet again, brother, at the judgment seat. Dozens and dozens. Brother Fury got me this letter from the Lance family who are serving in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'm just going to skip down to the final paragraph here where he says, Once again, thank you for your faithfulness in supporting us financially and prayerfully through the years. The churches in Jardim, Varginha, and Vargam Grande are here today because you prayed and invested in God's work. Those churches would not be there had there not been central Baptist churches in America that had determined to partner with this family. Every time you read of a soul being saved, every time you read of a church being planted, every time of you, that you read of your missionaries, the Damascus family in Scotland having an outreach that they're calling Super Spring Spectacular, and you see their goal for this event is to host at least a hundred kids every... Do you realize that when they witness to those 100 kids according to my King James Bible, for those of you that give regularly over and above your regular tithes and offerings so that others could hear the gospel, that's the same thing as you're standing there giving them the same gospel that you heard that changed your life as well. ka That's fruit that abounds to your account. You say, well, preacher, is that really a big deal? It really is. Because Jesus could come in the next five minutes. Are you listening to me? Jesus could come in the next five minutes. You know what's going to happen? The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And yes, there's going to be a grand reunion in the sky. But do you want to know where we're going after that grand reunion? Let me tell you where we're going, children of God. You and I are going to the judgment seat of Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, there is one word that we're going to hear mentioned many times. And it is the word faithful. Faithful. How faithful have you been to carry out my command to reach the world with the gospel? And nobody will ever stand, no child of God will ever stand at the judgment seat and say, Boy, I wish I wouldn't have listened to Pastor Bloom and filled that faith promise card out. You know, I could have got that bigger bass boat and I could have got the bigger shotgun and here I am, gave all that money to missions. 
Oh, no, friend. When we stand there before God takes the handkerchief of heaven and wipes our tears away, there will be many shed. Oh, and we'll think to ourselves, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have done more. Can I ask you this? And we're praying. Are you willing to do your part in making sure Central Baptist Church of Ocala, Florida remains a missions-minded church? You've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me?